Thanks for listening to the CISO Diaries podcast. We're Leah. And I'm Sia. And we started this podcast with the intent to give CISOs and cybersecurity professionals a place to be their authentic selves. These are the unedited stories told of how they got into cybersecurity, their real struggles that they persevered through, their personal anecdotes that make them tick, and the leadership advice based on their own experiences. And we want to especially spotlight those that are contributing and giving back to the community apart from their day jobs. This podcast is for everyone, especially if you're a leader or someone aspiring to leadership. Who knows? You may find yourself working with these awesome leaders. So join us on your favorite podcast player. And please don't forget to subscribe, follow, like, and comment and engage in the conversation. And now let's get to know our CISO on our latest diary entry. Oh, yeah. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to our entry today. I'm Leah McLean here with my co-host, Sia Yasser-Tornat. A quick shout out to our sponsor, Cyber Future Foundation. They're a nonprofit of executive leaders focused on taking action across a number of cyber initiatives for a safer and more trusted world. And here today, we are with an all-around interesting and cool person, Josh Mason, who is really taking cybersecurity training to a new level. He's the CEO and founder of Cyber Supply Drop, former Air Force pilot, cyber warfare background, instructor for With You With Me as well. Josh, good to have you today. How's it going? Good to be here. It's going well. Good, good. So you've been out of the military since 2019, so a couple years now. Um, Tell us what you've been up to since then, because it's been exciting to see the journey you've been on. Thanks. Yeah, when I got out of the Air Force, I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do. since I was teaching at the special operations school in my last couple of years in the Air Force, I was able to shift and pivot to teaching as a contractor for the military, uh, teaching cyber warfare, taught some digital forensics, threat hunting, and cyber threat emulation for uh, the DoD Cybercrime Center's Cyber Training Academy, training a lot of uh, military personnel and civilians um, for their careers in the military you know, in those roles. And then I found myself volunteering um, with some high schoolers, Flint Hill School in Virginia, their uh, cyber club. I'm a mentor for Cyber Patriot and a few of their uh, competitions. I also spent some time working with, as an instructor for With You With Me. They're a company out of Australia with the mission of training up veterans, spouses, anyone who really, really needs help to get into needed jobs. So technology, cyber is a huge part of that. And then most recently I started Cyber Supply Drop a couple months ago and also shifted to a role as a red team instructor for INE, building up a lot of their e-learn or updating and building some new content for their e-learn security courses. Uh, with you, with me, Tom Moore is a cool guy. Oh yeah, <laughs> huge fan of Tom. Yeah, um, that is, that's pretty amazing. I mean, that's just been a short amount of time since you've been out and have um, gotten to where you've got to today. Uh, oh, yeah. you know, I know, so how long were you in the military though? So, uh, 11 years. Okay. Yep. And you know, it's, I mean, we do, we mentor a lot of veterans and other folks, right? And it's, mm-hmm. 
Um, I don't think all of them have gotten within even two years of being out. Uh, some some not have not landed a job. Mm-hmm. But tell us a little bit. How did you? I mean, it's a lot of work, as you know. I think you put into it too. But how did you? What did you do to get there? Right? Because oh, you, yeah. you've done, it. and it's been really cool to just see how you know what you've done in the military maybe translated into what you're doing now. But, but just tell us a little bit more about that. I think it's really interesting that. Um, you've landed where you have, and it's exciting. And congrats, by the way. And thank you for your service. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah, no, I love sharing this story. Um, My good friend, Stefan Samoroth, this time two years ago, I was getting out. I had no jobs lined up. I did not know what I wanted to do at all. My commander was like, you have done projects your whole time in the military. Um, Go get your PMP. You've got an MBA. Go be a project manager and like run some company somewhere. I was like, uh, okay, wasn't sure I wanted to do that, but that is why I got my MBA. So I was like, okay, let's do that. Um, my wife's like, well, but do you like the cyber stuff that you've been doing? Um, I had been a little turned off. My first commander in cyber, uh, he actually told me, hey, Josh, I don't think you have a future in cybersecurity. And yeah. then, um, and based on what I was doing there, I didn't think I did either. Um there's something there. That's a whole different conversation. Um, I went to go teach at the special operations school and taught some cyber, but mostly just military special operations courses um, and got the experience of teaching, which is what I had been wanting to do for years. Ever since I was in high school, I thought about being an instructor, being a teacher. Um, I thought about it when I was in college, thought about it when I was in pilot training and was like, I want to come back and be an instructor. Finally got the opportunity to instruct and loved it. Didn't think that it was something that I could continue to do afterwards. I was like, I don't have a PhD. I don't have a degree in something that like I can go back and teach at a school. So what am I going to do? Um, was not planning instructing at all. Did a SkillBridge internship with 6Gen. They had won the 2019 IoT CTF during DEF CON, and they're amazing. Connected through Operation Code to a Navy veteran who is already in the program in Skillbridge with them. And he's like, hey, mine's about to get done. They could probably take you on. Um, and had an amazing internship. Learned a lot. Was not, again, was not planning on instructing was not planning on doing anything super technical. I was learning a lot of project management with them. One of the projects I worked on was this course shift that they were doing for a customer. And it included looking at a syllabus, building out the new syllabus. They had SMEs who were putting input on that, but the project management of, okay, what does our timetable look like? Who's in charge of what? What are our deliverables? I was handling a lot of that alongside their full-time project manager. And that's when I got my eyes on what they were creating, their syllabus. I was like, I know this stuff. Um, I could probably teach a lot of this stuff, even though I hadn't been hands-on ever since cyber school. Started looking at who the old syllabus came from. It was some big companies. I started following them on LinkedIn, paid attention to who was moving and doing stuff some second order connections on LinkedIn, other uh, academy grads at those companies. One ended up being Jacobs. 
he had just been promoted to the vice president of cyber education for the cyber mission force and was like, that's interesting. Reached out one academy grad to another, tried not to make Navy jokes, said, hey, I'm working on this. I saw what you, your team had done in the previous syllabus. I'm getting out of the military. I'm ending the Skillbridge internship. And is there anything I could do to help? And I was thinking more of the same, like move in, help them project manage, work timetables, people, things that I had been doing for a long time. And I had built courses at the special operations school. Um, and so that's how what I imagined. A couple of days later, I got an, a call. Like I didn't apply. I just sent my resume because he asked for it. I got a call from the recruiter saying, hey, can you do an interview tomorrow? Still hadn't applied. And I thought it was just a conversation to see if maybe I'd be interested or maybe they'd be interested. And we talked about instructing, got into how do you build courses? What does the life cycle of a course look like? How do you determine course objectives? A lot of technical course stuff, instructor stuff that had become second nature to me. And then talking cyber, I don't know. I don't think cyber is that complicated. People just don't know about it, especially the introductory stuff. So we were talking about that, and then they made me an offer to be an instructor. And I was like, oh, sure, let's do it. I was like, when do I interview? They're like, no, that, well, that was that was the interview. It's like, oh, okay. Oh my okay. God. That is so funny to me. So, okay, you get into this phone call. Well, first off, Kudos to you to understand how to leverage LinkedIn. Um, I don't. I think that right there on itself could be a class that you could t- teach people to really truly how to leverage LinkedIn in a way I that's going to benefit your career. I do know people who teach that class. Oh, that's too funny. Yeah. And Saturday, Neil is actually going to do that on cyber and security. So <laughs> I'll draw. I love that. it. Yeah. But, okay. So I have to ask you this. So not knowing that that was quote your actual interview, and mm-hmm. you thought it was just a conversation. Would you, do you think you would have approached it differently had you known that was your interview, that was the conversation that you're going to have with them? Um, Because I'm wondering if your mentality of being a laid back conversation helped you. Yes and no. It probably wouldn't have. At this point, I'll give a lot of credit to being at the special operations school. I had stood up in front of hundreds, maybe a couple thousand people including generals and gotten so used to just speaking based off of what I know and fielding questions based on what I knew. And some of it was things that like, okay, well, I've had this question before. I asked our special forces guy upstairs and I can give you a quick answer or I can go get him for a longer answer. So fielding things that I knew, fielding things that I wasn't totally comfortable with, but could it say something to had become a fairly norm for me. So that's helped me a lot in cyber Uh, teaching at the CIDA. A lot of things would come up and students would be like, well, why not this? And I was like, okay, that's a great question. Let's go find out. Let's, we can take 20 minutes of the class and really dive into that. Why not? If I'm, if I don't know the answer, let's go find it. The fielding part you just mentioned that, that's a consultative approach too, right? That That is what, like, that's part of consulting. And mm-hmm. it was interesting what you said when um, you were talking uh, with the folks be- at, you know, in the conversation that was actually the interview. Um, mm-hmm. 
where they had a need clearly you mm-hmm. had ideas ways that it could be approached and it i mean it just fit right and i think that's that's a lot of what what it is when working with people and getting it trying to get a job and or partnerships is where's the need and then do you have something that you can bring to them that fills that need and and it seems like it was just a good match mm-hmm. exactly that's okay people- so i need to ask you though because going back to what you're saying with speaking and engaging and being able to articulate yourself well I'm not a military person, so help me understand this. Sure. My assumption being is once you're in the military, you know how to learn to answer real well, mm-hmm. because I guess you're kind of, you know, the hierarchy of things that needs to happen. Um, talk to me about the the curiosity part of it, because you you mentioned you stop and think about it, and then you start asking questions. Is that something that's promoted within the military that we're just not hearing about? Is yeah, getting you to think? Like, yes, help me understand that. I will take this opportunity to speak to the greatness that you get from hiring veterans is there is a problem solving that occurs at every level. Um, If you're in the field with a bunch of 19 year olds and they need to solve a problem, it's often you, you show up and say, Hey, do this thing exactly how I want you to do it. A lot of times it's, you show up and say, Hey, solve this problem and it could be anything like put up these tents and you could either give them the instructions and like sit there the whole time yelling at them or let them solve it themselves and see what they come up with way more often than not you've got a lot more junior people than you do senior people you just don't have the time to sit there directing the whole time uh it's a personnel it's a budget thing you want and it's the same in business. You want people to go and have initiative on their own to solve their own problems and then not bug you because you're already busy with your own stuff, right? You have to answer to your boss and they're busy. So you want to empower people to go and solve their problems. And this is fairly normal in the military. So you get people who are used to being empowered, used to problem solving on their own and finding the answer. And if they don't know the answer, allowing them to ask. Allowing them to be like, okay, so we've tried this, we've tried that, and we failed. And failure is also totally acceptable. Like no one's, you don't get fired from the military for failing. Get fired from the military for breaking rules or doing bad things. But failures, that's what happens. Like that's how we learn. That's how we grow. That's just part of it. You might get chewed out um, if you don't learn from your problems and you continue to do them, then you might actually be doing something wrong. That's a whole different case, but failure is acceptable. And I don't think we see that enough in corporate America. I don't think we see that enough in InfoSec. People are like, we can't have a breach. We have to be perfect. It's like, no, no, it's going to happen. We have to learn from it. So um, when you have people who have been in the military who are used to getting empowered and being allowed to screw up, allowed to fail. Um, And then you bring them into your organization. If you allow them to continue to problem solve, to fail and grow, then they'll bring you even better solutions than you can come up with on your own. I love it. I love it. So shout out to veterans. Thank you for, and it does make absolute sense. If you're out in the field and you've got to MacGyver things, you got to do it because it's a life and death situation. And I think 
you have an absolute valid point that is totally applicable to, yeah. to the business corporate environment for sure. Yeah. I'll give you um, a personal example. I uh, had to take a C-130 to Afghanistan. Someone had landed one kind of hard and uh, it wasn't allowed to fly anymore. So we had to replace it. We were flying across, uh, landed in Romania, spent the night, went to go start the plane and the starter wasn't working on one of the engines. There were several different options. I was the co-pilot, so the aircraft commander um, makes the final decision. But we sat there with the crew chiefs, with the engineer, with the nav who had 12 years of experience, knew, knew some things. And I'm the only person who's like new to how do we do this. But I had the book and we said, okay, so we could do this. We could do that. We could do the other. Um, what are our constrictions? Like we're at a international airport in Bucharest. Are they going to allow us to like run down the runway with like full engines blazing and this one trying to spin up because you can windmill it? Do they want that? Because we're going from here to Afghanistan. And if you show up with a broken plane, you can't leave until that plane's able to fly. You're, it's still yours until it's a flyable plane in the field. And then they go, okay, now, now get out of here. Go home. Um, because you're not actually deployed. You're just dropping something off. Um, in, in the end, it wasn't our decision at all. People back in St. Louis said, no, you're going to wait until we FedEx you this part. You're going to fix it. You're going to test it. And then you're going to drop it off. And the same rules apply. Like it's got to be working order before you can leave, but we don't want you taking something broken in there. So we sat and we problem solved and we thought about it, but in the end it wasn't up to us, but it was part of the process. And you do that all the time. Hey, uh, two days or three days before that we're flying across the ocean and we had our weather brief. We knew what we were supposed to be doing. All of a sudden, there's just this wall of clouds. And the H model C-130, we were at kind of the max altitude it was going to go. You're six hours into a 10-hour flight across the ocean. The place that you need to land is on the other side of those clouds. You can't turn around at this point. Like You have to go through them. But I didn't know if we were going to need to go over it, how bad it was going to be. So we spent like 20 minutes trying to get people on the radio. I couldn't talk to Scotland. We were on HF radios, which are like long band radios. They're not amazing. Uh, we didn't have SATCOM. Ended up having to have everyone on the plane that had a radio try to connect to the like walkie-talkie network, if you will, uh, that other airlines are on, uh, air other airplanes are on. Connected with like an American flight they talked to Scotland and they're like, yeah, you guys can climb up to this altitude and shift over here. Oh, another thing. If you fly across the ocean, if you end up like not where you're supposed to be, you can all get fined and you can all get your, like basically your flying license revoked. So wow. I didn't want to be in the wrong place on the other side when Scotland saw us and be like violation, 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 no more pilot. So, um, you know, you have to make smart choices and weigh all the things. Also, how dangerous was this going to be for us? So you get used to problem solving and figuring things out. Okay, so first off, those clouds are wicked. So I understand um, my, I had an ex that was a private pilot. So I, I hate clouds because they just scare the crap out of me. But that being said is this, 
and I've always been curious. I'm going to sideline for a second, Leah. I apologize. Not really apologize. I've always been curious. So when you when you're flying and they say the max altitude for a plane, what happens Mm -hmm. if you go over? Like, can it? Does it just in our plane? You couldn't. Like, what happens? (laughs) You would put the engines all the way up. It's like, have you ever tried to take your car as fast as it'll go on the freeway? Oh yeah. I mean, Um, eventually you can't. No, that's against the law. Right. Right. But well, say you were on track. Texas are faster drivers than California. So, yes, I tried it when I moved here. <laughs> I'll say I owned a Jeep Wrangler. And um, beefy engine could do a lot of cool stuff. But just because it's like a box. On the freeway, I, even when the speed limit was 85 in Texas, I couldn't really get it above 70. Just because of all the air resistance. Like, it just wasn't going to happen. Even if I was going downhill. It's just mm-hmm. physics. Like it wasn't going to go. So that was the same with the C-130. Like we could put in more power. It's just, you can't get enough air over the wings to go higher um, in that situation. Sometimes it, yeah, it all depends. Sometimes you're not allowed to go above a certain altitude. Um, but generally for us, it was, you're limited on your ability to get the plane that high. It just didn't have the power. That we could go all day at like 300 feet until the gas runs out, but it wasn't made (laughs) to go that high. Got it. Got it. And I mean, I think that's the interesting part is, I mean, the perspective that, you know, you from a military background bring and in the circumstances you've been in where the quick decision-making, the problem solving, the, the type of way you have to look at it because it could be in those moments of life or death or in just extreme circumstances, right? That I think at times are more severe than, uh, well, I don't want to totally compare, but could be more severe than what we deal with in IT and cyber. Um, And yeah, it's interesting though, because I don't, more people definitely, I think will understand that Mm -hmm. um, we're hiring and looking at bringing in diverse teams but there's still a lot with mindsets that they want it to be problem solving within the IT or cyber, but not realizing that if you have the capability to problem solve, regardless of what the topic or situation is, mm-hmm. that actually can be applied across the board, right? And oh, I yeah. think those different ways of thinking are key um, in where we're at today and need it big time on teams. There's so much, there's so many products and so much technology out there that to claim to be an expert in all things is just a little ridiculous. So you want people who are curious. You want people who are looking into things. You want people who might know things that you don't know. Mm -hmm. You want people who might be smarter than you working on your team. I definitely do. I definitely want people who are smarter than me working on my team. Like I know I'm good at things, but I want other people who are really good at things to be working for me because it just lets me focus you know and i think there's been i don't know i don't know what causes it my dad was an it um so i've seen the industry for my whole life there's a lot of doggy dog and a lot of cybersecurity grew out of sys admins and network admins and i there were cybersecurity roles specialists if you were will but not the same as there are now right not to the same level i mean CISOs are an newer thing in the big scheme of things like there's mm-hmm. been cfos for a long time but CISOs are there's a lot of companies that don't have them have no need for them and that's fine 
but a lot of them grew out of this, you're a, a network specialist, you're a system specialist, but you now need to focus on security as opposed to we can build up a SOC analyst who might not know how to partition a hard drive or create uh, user accounts or make a script to send out GPO. They don't need to. We need them to go through logs, react to alerts, and follow the checklist that we give them and think about things in a, how is the adversary attacking our network and how are we going to respond to it? Like, I don't need them to set up like GBP or BGP. Um, that's someone else's job and that's fine. Uh, and I think there's a lot of older, mature people in cyber who still think you need to be a master of all things. Mm -hmm. You are on point with that. Um, Okay, I have a question out of curiosity. Back to when you mentioned that this your commander mm -hmm. told you, oh, you probably wouldn't be good in cyber. Did that at all, though, actually trigger you or put a, put motivation or drive you to say, you know what? I just got told no on something, but I actually think I can do it. So let me go try to prove them wrong. <laughs> so I got to admit, at the same time, I had just gone through from life events, oversharing here, being told that I couldn't be a pilot anymore. Um, and so hearing like, I don't see you having a future in cyber after going to like seven staff meetings a week and feeling like I was just managing people who I shouldn't need to be managing. They should have like, I was an unnecessary middleman. Um, I was like, that's, that's fine. Like I, I've enjoyed leading these people i've enjoyed working with these people i've enjoyed being around these people on my team but i this isn't my dream job and i was fine with it looking back i i love it i love my team um i wish we had been empowered more to do things but certain things in the military even if you have great ideas you're down here at the base level there's the MAGCOM level, then there's the Air Force level, then there's like the DOD level, then there's CISA. So you've got a great idea, but like, no. <laughs> but do you think that's why you, because you do, you empower people. Um, those of us who are, you know, seeing you out there doing things, the great things you do and working with the community, you empower people. Do you think because you, it was maybe at times lacking and you can have that hindsight, you wish you did it more that um, that's been part of where, where you saw that that was missing at times. And so you want to be able to bring that because. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the latest class of the Academy just started classes last month and it got me reflecting back to um, my time there it's a leadership laboratory more than it is a university. I mean, it's definitely a university. And like my wife helped, but didn't help. She built a satellite that's up in space right now. Oh, wow. So it's, it, cool. they, they do, we do crazy stuff there, but it is a leadership laboratory. And we spent so much time talking about what do you take from a leader that you want to do? What do you see in leaders that you want to stop yourself, avoid, and maybe fix if you get the chance? Like, how can we make sure that we don't build leaders like that in the future? Because that's what we're doing, right? We're all building leaders, whether you want to or not. Someone eventually is going to end up in a position over someone else just because they've been around. And 
they'll be a leader by de fact, if not by stepping up. And we want them to step up and we want them to be powerful and we want them to improve the industry and improve the world, right? So I don't know who told me. I could probably point to a lot of people and make a long list about who has influenced me. I've, I've made those posts before. And um, it's that. It's reflecting on what you've seen, reflecting on what you didn't like, reflecting on what you have liked, seeing how you can reflect those things yourself. That's that's how we make the industry better. That's how we make the world better. I love it. Per- very profound. <laughs> so let me ask you this, yeah. because I mean, I mean, everything that you've done and everything that you've uh, done in the past and then what you're doing today is mm-hmm. all about empowerment. It feels like a theme for me with you and, and building that next generation and bridging gaps. Mm-hmm. Um, have you, and this is more of a personal question because you are a father sure. of children. Mm-hmm. Do you like that father of children? <laughs> <laughs> the hell does that even mean? <laughs> you are a father. Do you see yourself applying this to your parental style? I try. Uh, it's. I don't know if my discussions with my wife about leadership, because she also went to the academy and was a pilot, if that's reflected in our parenting or if our discussions about parenting have leached over into leadership, but we're of a like mind in that our primary goal right now isn't this my i'm not founder of cyber supply drop and a father i'm a father who also founded cyber supply drop like i i love you all but like i got two kids and they are my life and then i've got my wife who that's it like everything else supports that and that is kind of my driving philosophy so, yes, uh, what you're saying is a reflection of what I try, try to do. Um, this is my no stress, low anxiety, able to create full thoughts version of myself. Um, it almost sounds like but, you have your priorities right. Life and family first. Wow. <laughs> it's working so far. I can't yeah. say it's been every boss's favorite thing about me but yeah i wanted um just quick shout out to your wife because female pilot that's yeah oh yeah okay so i uh, you know what i'm gonna ask i know i got a nav build a satellite yep she got her mba while she was pregnant with our first were you married i mean how okay because i mean now that you can't you you can't have dependents at the air force academy okay so you can't be married and you can't even have legal guardianship of your kids. If you have kids, I've got a few friends. If you're out there, like high five to you guys that stunk. Um, but uh, yeah, you can't have dependents going in. And if you end up with dependents, then you can't keep legal guardianship of them while you're there because it's all hundred percent in residence and there's no kids in the dorms. So, and it's four years, you got four years. If you don't figure it out in that time, then you're going to be like, private mason at the end of that time okay or oh, that, oh a whole bunch of tuition <laughs> the it, u.s government is that but, how you met yeah we met there um we both ran the uh theater actually running slides for generals putting microphones on 
uh, Supreme Court justices and chief staffs. Yeah. No pressure there. It was fun. Yeah. But I thought, okay, I thought there was no fraternizing, but I can't even say the word. Fraternization? Yeah, I well, thought there was something could. against that. We were in the same class. She wasn't above me or below me or oh, like okay. part of my leadership chain. Oh, got, got it. got some friends who have been married for a long time. Hey, who, look, I'm all about company into the, uh, dipping into the company well, too. So it's okay. I understand. It's a leadership laboratory. We spend most of our time in either school or work. So if we meet our spouse there, who knows? Yeah. I, yeah. It was both. <laughs> it was school and work. It was the way that we escaped was going into the theater, getting movies from Blockbuster that someone oh, would or like i'd send an email they'd buy or rent the movies they drop them off in the uh in the booth at the back of the theater we'd run them friday and saturday nights and just hang out and grab pizza from downstairs and my wife me my best friends would hang out there for most of the weekend because it didn't cost anything to watch like movies you could get them like right as they came out and since you missed everything during basic training and been in the academy and there weren't any movie theaters nearby and you didn't have a car. And if you wanted to go out, you had to be in like the suit and tie service dress as a freshman. So like I was perfectly happy to like go over there in sweats and watch movies with my friends in a low pressure situation on the weekends. So that's how we met. And I love yeah. Yeah. I'm, into the movies i don't know the last time i've been in the movie th- theater what well, was all shut down last year pandemic right. year, but yeah i do i miss that mm-hmm. um that's really cool thank you for sharing that story by the way i, I love i love that i yeah. know i do too you know what's funny i find um i get it because we're all in security you don't want to divulge too much and quite frankly josh i tried to google you and i was not very successful which again i'm like over like eight right now or nine or ten um <laughs> I can't find you people as much as I'd like to, but um, it's just quality. I can hook you up with Heath Adams, TCM Securities OSINT course, if you want. I think it might be on sale right now for like 15 bucks. So it'll teach you how to learn way more about people than you ever wanted to learn. Oh, hey now. Well, Warning. Yeah. No, no, you might not want to take it. (laughs) Maybe I don't want to. But if you do want to learn how to do it. Yeah. I, I think you should do it, Sia. That's a steal. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great so, course. Hey Josh. Yeah. So I didn't want to pry too much, but one thing I did notice that is um when you look at successful leaders, mm-hmm. there's always a successful partner in that mix. And then the fact that you met your so, wife through the same leadership academy strikes me as a very big testament or testimonial of your values as far as a lot of the things that you hold dear. And obviously she's a reflection of it. And apparently she's a bad ASS on her own right. So shout out to the is. wife. So, you know, I'll say this because um, it's probably been just over the course of maybe a year that I've gotten to know you virtually and through LinkedIn and others. Um, in the beginning, when I think I first connected with you and reached out, mm-hmm. clearly didn't know as much about you then um, from the personal side either. But it it was a little daunting to me. I know that's interesting, right? This is, I'm now sharing too much, but or oversharing, but it, I don't know what it was. And I thought, okay, is, is, 
so he responded, cool. Um, I don't know. It was, there was something there, but I will say now, like then I now look in hindsight, I'm like, you were just a all around cool guy down to earth. Um, I mean, you have your stuff together. You are really breaking gates down, barriers down and really helping out in, in cybersecurity and with a lot of people and empowering people. And I, I can honestly just sit here now and say, you're an amazing leader. And I want to thank you for that and say to anyone out there listening, do connect with him because, um, you know, lack of better words, not that I was scared of you at first, but no, he's not a scary guy, guy, people. (laughs) um, But I guess as we wrap up, you know, you're still early on with cyber supply drop. Is there anything if you can share that you want to reveal to us on, you know, plans as for evolving um, what you do and, and where you're headed into 2022? Oh, yeah. So we've been running giveaways on LinkedIn, a little bit on Twitter, a lot with our um, partners like Neil and Jerry and Ken and Philip Wiley. And that's been great. We're growing a little more. So the U.S. Cyber Games, they reached out and we're going to be supporting Draft Day, doing running giveaways during that live stream. There is... uh, a bunch going on down the line where there's going to be some 24 hour streams that we're going to continue to support. Stefan Semmelroth, my good buddy and mentor and friend ran a half marathon a couple weeks ago and we supported that AMA giveaway or with a bunch of giveaways. Um, currently all of our giveaways are funded or donated by the community individuals who say, Hey, I don't want to go through the, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's, I don't want to go through the hassle of trying to figure out how to help other people and you're already like doing it or it's, we like what you're doing and we want that to continue happening, but we get donations. We're fiscally sponsored under hat club bank, which is a nonprofit. And so everything, at least if you're in the U S is tax deductible and it's fully transparent. Anyone can see our donations and where we're spending money from cybersupplydrop.org. And we're just gonna continue running these things. And the more money that we bring in, the more that we can do. We wanna build up our infrastructure. Everyone, currently there's 14 of us, are all volunteers, all trying to make this better. But if we could bring people on staff, if we can make a better website, if we can include more resources, because we're currently doing training Tuesdays and free training Fridays and CyberMentor, or Cyber Ally Mondays, all on our Cyber Supply Drop LinkedIn page. We want to grow that out, maybe do scholarships down the line, maybe actually provide training, be a closing house for training. If you're, I want to get into cyber, I'm not sure how, come to cybersupplydrop.org and we will point you to resources at every different level and see if we've got partners and ways that you can get in for free or cheap or on scholarship or through giveaway. That's that's where we're going to be taking it. A plethora of really, really great resources. Um, thank you for doing all of that and putting that together under Supply drop and it's cool to see you guys grow. We're going to be excited to watch on your you know next um, 12 months here. And then for all the listeners out there, whether you are 
um, you have a team that you need to get trained up, upskilled and get some support on that, reach out to Josh for all the listeners who are trying to get into cyber or need more, more great leadership and resources, reach out to him. Josh, I just want to say it was a pleasure to have you with us today. And thank you for sharing so much. Um, That was amazing. Your story is really cool. Thank you. So, you know, Josh, we're running up on time here and I just want to be really respectful for it, but what are your final thoughts? If I can just like summarize our conversation today and with your, you know, the work that you're doing Mm -hmm. and who you are as a person with, as Josh, you know, what are your, what are your final thoughts that you'd like to impart with our audience and with Aaron or with Aaron, with Leah and me, please? Yeah. So because of your diverse audience here, uh, if leaders give your people chan- a chance, take on new people and allow them to grow, allow them to fail, give them that opportunity, accept that what you're giving them responsibility for is not the crown jewels. And if they screw it up, you it's fixable. Give them things that they can learn from. And they'll grow into being the person that you can trust with the ground jewels. Um, if you're new, know that you're going to fail. Failure is part of life. And it could be big. It could be small. It happens. Learn from it. Grow. Move forward. If you're stuck, if you're trying to figure out how to get into cybersecurity, find me on LinkedIn. I don't know if you guys attach info, but Josh Mason cyber supply job on LinkedIn, come find me and I will point you to resources and get you started in your cybersecurity career. Awesome. On that note, I think that will wrap it up for another amazing entry in the CISO Diaries. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you.